in breaking news over the weekend, is Michael Bloomberg really, I mean, really considering Hillary Clinton as his running mate, as vice president? We'll talk about it today on Jay Secchio Live, the guy who thinks, hey, he could teach anyone to be a farmer, Mr. New York businessman. Live from Washington, D.C., Jay Sekulow Live. Phone lines are open for your questions right now. Call 1-800-684-3110. That's 1-800-684-3110. And now, your host, Jordan Sekulow. You know, something I really respect about President Trump is his respect and admiration for the working man. He doesn't belittle the coal miner. He doesn't belittle the farmer, uh, the factory worker. In fact, he has great respect for those blue-collar workers and the job they do to keep America running, whether it's building, whether it's uh, running on energy, uh, uh, manufacturing, building buildings. I mean, this is part of his life, so he has a great respect. Then you go to someone like Bloomberg, uh, who, uh, again, we'll play for it later, but there, more audio emerging of how out of touch he is. People tried to act like Donald Trump would be out of touch with the American worker uh, because he comes from like the New York business world, but they forget that he was in the building world where he was on the job site, construction site. He relied on construction workers and labor union workers to build the buildings, to put the job, the work sites together. So he has this great respect. I think that's why when he travels uh, the Rust Belt, when he travels the Rust Belt, he um, he gets this unbelievable response from supporters. Now you contrast that with someone like, Mike Bloomberg, who, first of all, before I even play this, there's the rumor that started, and a rumor that has not been put to bed yet, by, 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 uh, it started on Drudge Report, maybe it's a hope from some Clinton supporters, maybe it's the truth about Bloomberg polling, that he is actually considering asking Hillary Clinton to be his running mate if he does win the nomination. Now, his campaign is being very careful, as most campaigns would say, is that we're not even focused on that right now. We have to win the nomination. But, folks, we got a call about it Friday, and we all kind of like laughed it off like, isn't there anybody out there with that could bring the same kind of experience without the baggage of Hillary Clinton? Let me go to Thad Bennett on this, because Thad, to me, it may be an interesting way to grab headlines. And I think we were talking about that over the weekend when we saw this. It's a way for Bloomberg to keep himself in the news when he's not really competing in these four early states. I think it's got to be that, Jordan, because look at this. Whenever I hear a rumor like this, I try to do it, look at it through a political lens. And you start with a general election strategy. Why in the world would you tr- choose a strategy that lost the last time around? So I think, OK, maybe it's a, a primary election strategy, a, a strategy to try to get the nomination. But, Jordan, I literally can't think of something better for Senator Sanders than for Mike Bloomberg to pick Hillary Clinton as her running mate. I mean, look, he he's had this mantra all along, and I think with some credence, Jordan, that the establishment machine inside the Democrat Party has been against him and that to maybe some extent they pushed the nomination the last time to Hillary Clinton. If Mayor Bloomberg adds Hillary Clinton to his ticket, I mean, doesn't that say everything that Senator Sanders has been saying to Democrat voters all along? I'll tell you this, Jordan, to me, it makes not a lick of sense in either a general election strategy or a primary election strategy. It brings back up so many scandals. So I mean, so many things for President Trump to to harp on, and then Vice President Pence, who would be, I guess, debating her, to harp on, I mean, that have not been really resolved. Uh, we know that there, there's a new investigation into by the Department of Justice into McCabe, Comey, 
um, and others, Peter Strzok, about their handling of Michael Flynn. So a lot of you who saw that the McCabe thing was um, uh, that on the leak, and that was a leak about Hillary Clinton, by the way. Um, so how happy is she about that? That they that, that you know they decided to not press charges. There was some confusion there too about whether he was authorized to make the leak or not. But now they moved on to the investigation about their involvement with Mike Flynn and were they setting up this illegal trap for Mike Flynn to be able to prosecute him. Uh, so there is a new cr- investigation by DOJ into Andrew McCabe. He is not yet off the hook. In fact, I'm going to be on Sean Hannity's radio broadcast later today uh, talking about just that. So you don't want to miss that on Sean Hannity's radio show. We won't get into a lot of that today, but it is coming out. And Mike Bloomberg, like Joe Biden, is starting to make more and more of these comments that are being unearthed from just the last couple of years, showing how out of touch he is. We'll play when we come back on Jay Secchio Live. The challenges facing Americans are substantial at a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack. It's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. ACLJ.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift. interesting for our Facebook and Periscope audience. It's just an interesting fact that Mayor Bloomberg was a registered Democrat. I don't know what party uh, President Trump, if he had registered with a party in New York, they've got like conservative party. I know Sean Hannity's a, actually a member of the conservative party because sometimes the New York Republican Party can be pretty uh, moderate outside the mainstream of the National Republican Party. Um, uh, and you've got like the Democrat Party. But it was pointed out that Mayor Bloomberg has been was at least or has been a Republican, at least registered, longer than President Trump ever was. And that's who the Democrats are looking to right now as their savior. Now, I want to kind of compare and contrast because we have not yet seen Bloomberg. We've seen some of his events. And by the way, they look good until the protesters show up. So one out in, I I think it was Virginia, and um, uh, some of the African-American protesters there 
uh, protesting his remarks about slamming, you know, black kids up against the wall uh, and um, that, you know, you only need to put cops in minority areas. And he said that at the Aspen Institute. Yeah, it's very high level thinking uh, years ago uh, from Mayor Bloomberg. Now he's made a comment. It reminded me a lot of what Joe Biden said about coal miners. And it was kind of the beginning of the id for Biden. Are comments like this, I don't know if they're the beginning of the end for Mayor Bloomberg in the primary, but but can you win a general election when you make this kind of comment about what is a backbone of America, which is our farmers? Take a listen. Think about it. The, agri- the agrarian society lasted 3,000 years, and we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. I would like to hear from some farmers out there today, 1-800-684-3110. Some of you may have large farms. Some of you may, may have more uh, uh, smaller family farms. Uh, it is not that easy. That's how you plant like a flower, okay? I could, you know, it's maybe a, you know, if you've got a kind of like um, a hobby farm in your backyard, uh, it's more difficult than that. There's more work goes into a hobby farm in a backyard than what Mayor Bl- You know where he said that, by the way? In 2016 at Oxford University. So talking about elitist talking to elitist. And it, it contrasts to me because Donald Trump, you say all he wants about, you know, he's raised in New York, but really he's Queens, but but he's a builder. So he's been working with blue collar folks. He has that respect. If you don't believe it, watch what happened at the Daytona 500 yesterday. The chance of four more years from over 100,000 people who came to see a race. Uh, the president uh, getting all these cheers uh, those are the same kind of folks that Mayor Bloomberg saying, ah, you know, it's so easy to do farming. And then Joe Biden, ah, coal miners, we'll just make them all computer programmers. And by the way, they'll make 30 grand less a year. Take a listen. Joe's going to determine what the jobs of the future are. Anybody who could go down 300 to 3,000 feet in the mine can learn how to program as well. Anybody who can throw coal into a f- furnace can learn how to program, for God's sake. First of all, Anybody who can go down 3,000 feet in a mine, I'm not a farmer or a coal miner. I think that sounds pretty difficult. And throwing you know coal into a, into a furnace, it's not that simple. And on top of that, it is backbreaking, very difficult work. And then they're going to become computer programmers. And we looked up the average salary for coal miners, about 30000 more a year than a computer programmer. So you're going to cut their wages, kill their careers, and then make them computer programmers because anybody can go down 3,000 feet into into a, a coal mine. I mean, maybe anybody can take the ride like politicians do and go see what they do, but not anybody can do that job. And again, you're talking, I'm, I'm not talking to someone who says they can. I, I don't think I could do it. I think it'd be very difficult. I don't think I could be a farmer. I, I don't have the knowledge. I haven't done the skill. Maybe if I spent many years, many years researching and saving and investing in the proper people and, and materials I could figure it out, but it's not digging a hole and putting a seed in and watering a seed. That's that's growing a flower. That's something I could do with my daughter or, or my son to show how we grow things. But that's not even how hard it is to have a backyard a hobby farm. I mean, to me, Than, to me, it just shows how out of touch these elitists are. And they're pulling them. It's interesting because uh, Donald Trump, uh, who they want to make into this, is the exact opposite. Losing Thad's audio? There we go. We Are we back? You're back. Start, yeah. 
Jordan, I, I, I was just going to say, I grew up in farm country, surrounded yeah. by farmers, surrounded by fields, and yet I struggle to this day to keep a backyard garden growing. It is not that simple. And to the to the larger point of this, though, this is about having respect for the people that you are asking for their votes. And I'll just tell you, behind the scenes, this has been one of the longest-running concerns, even among former staffers of Mayor Bloomberg's especially. It's been a concern for Joe Biden's as well. They've pulled him off the trail a couple of times. But there are former staff that have openly remitted admitted to reporters, Jordan, that the reason for Mayor Bloomberg's uh, Mayor Bloomberg's Super Tuesday strategy is that he would become the only alternative to center standards before he had to interface with actual voters. Because when he does that, Jordan, he makes comments like this and they decide that they don't like him. So his only chance, Jordan, was to become the only alternative before he had to actually have that real interface. I'll tell you this, his strategy might be succeeding too well, though, because he might have to debate before Super Tuesday. Well, that's what I was about to say. So time is running out on this uh, kind of Bloomberg phantom where he could show up in you know Chattanooga and do an event and show up in Richmond and do an event. And it's very well controlled to the most part. And then he gives his little speech and <coughs> goes out the door and he's not raising money because he can sell fun because he's so rich. That's wonderful. It really seems like that, that resonates with Democrat voters. He's so rich, he doesn't need your money or support at all. So he's not so you, he's not tied to you at all. He can do whatever he wants as president. Um, not even small donors he doesn't want, which is very uh, bizarre to say the least. Now, let me just answer this question because before we get into why he may no longer be able to run away, there are a lot of questions coming about this Hillary, Qu- uh, Hillary Clinton uh, uh, news that came out. Robert called in from Maryland, online one. Robert, welcome to JSECU Live. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. How you doing, Jordan and Dan? I wanted to ask the both of you, is is it true that uh, former uh, New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg is seriously considering Hillary Clinton as his running mate to become vice president? And if he is, if that does turn out to be true, uh, what are the reasons why he would choose Hillary Clinton to be his running mate? So someone gave information to, to Matt Drudge, who actually gave very favorable uh, coverage of Hillary Clinton during her campaign, surprisingly. Um, I don't know if he had something against Donald Trump. He kind of, you know, but again, he gave pretty fair coverage of Hillary Clinton during her campaign. And, 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 and then it started running in the news that there was polling done by Bloomberg's team. Remember, he's got unbelievable amount of resources and that there was a lot of positive internal polling about the potential of pairing Hillary Clinton as his running mate. Now, again, all of this is speculation and fan, I think it's more to make news headlines. I think it's got to be because it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, I will tell you, Jordan, I think it's noteworthy that they're not denying it. I think the spokesperson's comment was probably the correct one, as you pointed out, that they're focused on getting the nomination and not interested in talking about a uh, a running mate. But look, I I think if you read the tea leaves, Jordan, and you would know better than I do, but I think they are probably considering this. I think they have probably pulled it. Now, I would be surprised if the numbers that they got back suggested anything about it being a positive strategy. It, It certainly would generate headlines. And maybe that's what he needs. Uh, but Jordan, again, just to, to, to recap the initial response I gave to you, this is the the failing strategy in a general election that was tried literally the last election. And it, it plays directly into the narrative of the current front runner, Senator Sanders, who has always said the Democrat Party is the machine and they are trying to keep me out. Jordan, if if Mayor Bloomberg would to put literally the face of the machine onto his ticket, how much more would Senator Sanders be able to say that? I think it's a terrible idea for him. Yeah, I mean, Naomi on Facebook wrote, I'm a farmer. The reason we have family farms is because it does take generations of knowledge, not just even years. Uh, Megan on Facebook, not a good idea to be little people who have devoted their lives to their work. I mean, whether you're talking about the old school front runner, 
belittling the coal miners like we played. Like anybody can go down to the coal mine and mine coal. Yeah, right. Um, and and Mayor Bloomberg that we just played when he was at Oxford University saying, "I and anybody can be a farmer. You just dig a hole, put a seed down, and water it." It's ridiculous. We got a lot of phone calls about that. And more calls about Hillary Clinton as well. You also have Mayor Pete, the young guy on the scene, who is trying to keep you know up with this momentum swing that he kind of got out of Iowa and then lost out of New Hampshire, but um, it, it did well in New Hampshire, but it's just not able to, it's not totally translating for him. Let's put it that way because of the people like Bloomberg in the race, he got pushed on Infantis side with, by all people, Megan McCain on the view who did an excellent job of walking him through the questioning. And basically by the end of it, he's, he, I, I don't think I, I'm being outrageous by saying he endorsed the idea of, of infanticide. Uh, which is what we saw from Governor Northam when he was pushed on it as well, and he being he gets cheered by the audience. So that's how far the distinction is between those who believe in uh, the pro-life message and those who believe in the pro-abortion message. We're going to play that for you when we go back. I mean, it's like how many of these comments are just whether you're already a socialist. I think that alienates a lot of voters. When you're Bloomberg and you're alienating African Americans and you're alienating people of color. And you're alienating farmers now. Okay, that's going to play well in, in the Midwest. And uh, you're you're you know you're Joe Biden, and you've alienated the entire Rust Belt because we're going to make you all computer programmers. You know this is absurd. One eight hundred six eight four thirty one ten. When you hear this sound from Mayor Pete, and I got to give Megan McCain a lot of credit here uh, for taking him down this path. She did a great job as an interviewer on the View in a pretty hostile place to do it. You come back, it is shocking what Mayor Pete has to say. Go to ACLJ.org. Find out about all of our work. We'll be right back. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift. The challenges facing Americans are substantial at a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack. It's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today 
aclj.org. All right, so the coal miners, which have been a blue-collar kind of base vote for Democrats until Donald Trump came around and won, won the uh, Rust Belt. Narrowly, by the way, those are close elections. Uh, in those states, but he did throughout. I mean, from Pennsylvania all the way to uh, was Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin. I mean, it was it was a pretty unbelievable. Um, and if he does even ninety percent of that again, he becomes president of the United States. Well, you've got what who was the front runner? He was isolating coal miners, and he was basically cutting them out of the the base of the Democrat moderate base of the party. So, if you're one of those non Bernie Sanders socialists running, which Bernie Sanders is about it now. Elizabeth Warren is on life support. So if you're other than Bernie Sanders, and I'm not sure those working folks want to go into a communist style working system where they're working for the state instead of private businesses, uh, where they have an, an a ability to earn more wages. And now you've got Bloomberg making fun of farmers, saying how you just dig a hole, plant a seed, and put some water on it. That's how easy it is to run a farm. We got a lot, a lot of calls on that, by the way. And then now you've got Mayor Pete who just totally, in an issue unnecessary to do this too, I think that you can, even as a pro-abortion candidate, draw a line at infanticide, for goodness sakes, refuses to do so when he's on The View with Megan, Kay, Megan McCain. Now, he she brings this up in the context of he was on a radio interview and he was trying to become a theologian. Now, I'm not a theologian. Some of our radio broadcast stations that we're on have lots of theologians on. Go to them. Go to your pastor for theological advice. Uh, but I am a Christian, and I think you know if Mayor Pete wants to consider himself a Christian as well, that's that's his choice. I'm not questioning his faith. But to make those kind of arguments when you're a politician and kind of doing it off the cuff um, without a lot of backing that I know of, just take – so it was in the context of him saying, well, life doesn't really begin until you've taken your first breath. That's what the Bible says. And so that's why Meghan McCain started down – this line of questioning because we then we get to with the infanticide question. What about what if the child has almost taken that first breath or is about to take the first breath? At what point do you say enough? Take a listen, bite 16. Partial birth abortion is something that was coming up in, in like I said, Governor Northam. It was a huge controversy when he was running for governor. I, I think people, even Democrats, and there are a lot of pro-life Democrats in the country, want to know exactly where your line is because you will be the president if you win. Right, but my point is that it shouldn't be up to a government official to draw the line, it should be up to the woman who's confronted with the choice. All right. First of all, the fact that it gets applause is one thing, but everything is up to some point a government official to draw a line. What is murder? Speeding. The speed limit. Um, what is the different charges you get for how fast you're going over the speed limit? Reckless driving. What is the limit for a DUI? What is um, uh, what is uh, involuntary manslaughter? What is manslaughter? The different levels of murder, the different levels of of business crimes, insider trading, extortion, bribery, all those kind of things. Um, we we have to make those are all based on morals. What's right and what is wrong? So we do draw lines all the time in our country, based off right and wrong. Does it injure the other person? And does it injure them in a way that's illegal? So was it a a business transaction that may have benefited someone better than the other person, but not illegal. Okay, that's the lines we draw. We draw these lines based off a basis of really natural law. Our founding fathers said that. And we've developed this a very long and extensive 
both criminal and civil code to determine that. So, Than, I mean, I think right there, before we even go further into the bite, this idea that we don't use morality at all to make decisions is absurd coming from someone running for president. Yeah, it also shows a very loose knowledge of the scriptures, Jordan. I mean, the book of Jeremiah says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. And then you look at the facts of science, Jordan. He wants to talk about breath. We know conclusively from science that that during an an act of an abortion, the child feels pain and he or she screams out, Jordan. This is uncomfortable to talk about. But the only reason there's not sound is because it's amniotic fluid that's rushing over those vocal cords instead of air, instead of oxygen. So if he wants to talk about breath, we can engage those facts. But Jordan, I'll tell you this, and we can maybe expand on this when you play the rest of the quote, but he made a fatal error here. He conceded that this debate is about a child, about a child with a name and a family. And Jordan, the rest of America has figured that out. The Democrat Party has not yet. And that's why Megan McCain is absolutely right. Forget middle, middle America. Yeah. Jordan, anyone who looks at these facts yeah. He's going to lose. No, we've seen it. Even in the pro-abortionists who were supporting what she's about to talk about this next bite with Governor Northam pulled back their legislation when they realized what they were arguing for. When they realized the words that were coming out of their mouth as pro-abortion state legislators, they realized, wait, we can't, we can't well, this is infanticide. And they actually pulled back on that legislation at, at the state level. Bite 17. Take a listen. This is Mayor Peter. I don't know, a woman wanted to, I don't know, uh, invoke infanticide after a baby was born, you'd be Does anybody seriously think that's what these I, cases I are think about? Think, think about the situation. That, yes. if, you're, if this is a late-term situation, then by definition, it's one where a woman was expecting to carry the pregnancy to term. Then she gets the most perhaps devastating news of her life. You know, I'm trying to figure out what that news would be other than if we don't perform this procedure, your life would be in jeopardy. And I think that is a decision that has to be made. Your life could be in jeopardy. That is a decision that should be made between the husband, the wife, or if there's not a husband in the picture, the wife, ultimately, uh, about whether or not to try and proceed with the pregnancy or not that late in the pregnancy. What other information is he talking about? Because, you know, I've... A lot of us on this broadcast on the younger side have had children recently. I have as recently as the last uh, four months. Uh, And you get all this information back now, and you can, about your child well before a late-term abortion. What's he talking about? He's saying, oh, if you find out that they have some potential birth defect or that maybe they've only got a 50-50 shot at life or they may need a surgery after they're born, which, by the way, they can even do in utero now, (laughs) that suddenly that justifies a late-term abortion thing. I mean, to me, see, that's where they they forget that um, the life of the mother issue, that's not what they're talking about. He's not talking about the mother uh, potentially dying. He made that clear. It's about her making a decision to end the pregnancy. Jordan, it's not an issue because these bills that we talk about in a federal level, they all have that exception. You are allowed to consider the life of the mother mother when you're talking about it. And look, the other thing he's trying to do, Jordan, is conflate these issues. Because when Megan McCain is talking about the Born Alive Act, when she's talking about infanticide, you are no longer talking about an abortion procedure. You are talking about a separate human who's laying on the table, separate from the mother, and whether or not that separate human deserves medical attention, not in the womb, not when the mother is still in jeopardy, but outside the womb. Jordan, he did not answer that question. He tried to conflate yeah, the issue. went issues. on further. Let's play it. Bite 18. Families that, that may have picked out a name, maybe assembling a crib, and they learn something excruciating and are faced with this terrible choice. And I don't know what to tell them uh, morally about what they should do. I just know that I, I trust her and her decision medically or morally 
isn't going to be any better because the government is commanding her to do it in a certain way. I respect that. I respect what you're saying because you didn't back down from it. This is going to hurt you in the middle of the country with the Republicans you're trying to win over. People like me, this is a hard line. And quite frankly, that question, that answer is just pretty, you're just as radical as I thought it was. Yeah, it is just as radical as it sounds. Megan McCain is right there and she did a great line of questioning taking him down this line. <coughs> Ask yourself this about leadership, too. I don't know what to tell them morally about what they should do when the child's about to be born. You want to be president of the United States, you can't make any kind of moral judgments at all when it comes to late-term abortion. <laughs> do you see how the abortion industry owns? They own the Democrat Party. When Bernie Sanders said there's no place for pro-life Democrats in the Democrat Party, he's not kidding. And these people pl- trying to play moderate to you, like Mayor Pete, are just as radical as you think they are. And when they're pushed on the questions, you get the answers. We'll be back on Jay Secchio Live. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. ACLJ.org. From Washington, D.C., Jay Sekulow Live. And now, your host, Jordan Sekulow. So this first half hour, we've showed you how these so-called moderate candidates, remember with, with Amy Klobuchar saying, well, I think there's space for, for, for pro-life Democrats, but she has a 100% rating from Planned Parenthood, 100% rating from NARAL, a 0% rating from all the pro-life organizations. So, yeah, she'll take your votes, pro-life Americans. She's not going to do anything for you. She's not going to put forward pro-life judicial nominees or anyone who would be sympathetic to the pro-life uh, agenda in her cabinet. Uh, and she's not going to put any you – know, she's not sympathetic to the pro-life, uh, any any of the issues like the Mexico City policy and others. So all these so-called moderates that are running, I'm starting to check boxes off about they're not so moderate. It's, it's kind of the idea – that we played on the broadcast, we had on the broadcast earlier last week, which was it's really progressives versus socialists. And I want to go to Harry Hutchinson on this because Harry, we see Bloomberg. I want to play it again. Just a, you know, this, these sound bites are coming back to haunt him, but they're not that old. Just a few years old. He's speaking at Oxford. You've been there before. He's an elitist, and he's basically uh, he's a, he's downplaying how hard it is to be a farmer. Take a listen. Think about the the agrarian society lasted 3,000 years, and we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to to be a farmer. It's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Okay, Harry. I mean, right there, you've had him say that. Bloomberg has said now, you know, it's so easy to be a farmer. He could teach anyone to do it. This is a guy who I'm not sure has farmed anything before. Maybe he has a little hobby farm in his backyard in one of his estates. 
Um, isn't finance just a process? I mean, computers can basically run that now. Absolutely. So I think one of the things that you have to uh, give uh, Mayor Pete and uh, Mayor Bloomberg credit for is that they are not moderates. Indeed, they are radical progressives who are dressed in moderate garb. Uh, They generally uh, invoke moderate intonations in their voice. Uh, But essentially, they want all of America to turn their lives over to what might be called cognitive elites, or what Patrick Deneen, a professor at Notre Dame, refers to them as librocrats. Uh, These are individuals who have seceded from the lives of the common man and woman in the United States. They don't believe those individuals are really entitled to their views on abortion, on guns, uh, and on a raft of issues. These are individuals who are radically committed uh, to climate change, and they basically want to eliminate certain industries, including perhaps agriculture or coal mining, as uh, Hillary Clinton uh, uh, pushed uh, during her failed 2016 campaign. So these individuals are no friend of working-class men and women in America. Indeed, they have the utmost disdain for the lives of these individuals, and they continue to show disdain in every vocal intonation that they make, and they oppose, for instance, the notion of life, life beginning at conception, Now they're basically pushing an agenda uh, which would destroy life even after the child is born, all in the name of quote-unquote choice. Don't worry, Harry and Than, they're going to bring in, and all the listeners out there, he'll bring in Hillary Clinton to moderate his positions. She'll save the day. Hillary Clinton will save the day for the Democrats. you got to be kidding me, right? I mean, literally, the scandals involving Hillary Clinton are still scandals in the news today. I mean, why bring that back? Do you want to bring Anthony Weiner back, you know, Huma Abedin back to the, the forefront, all that back? back? I mean, I, I don't think it's good for the country, uh, and I don't think it's even good for Hillary Clinton. And she's going to be second fiddle to Mike Bloomberg. She might play it up. He might play it up. He's trying to make headlines. But there's one thing he can't potentially escape this week, and it's having to debate. We're going to talk about that when we come back and start taking your phone calls as well at 1-800-684-3110. That's 1-800-684-3110. The challenges facing Americans are substantial at a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack. It's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now... The ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. 
And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, ACLJ.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org slash gift. can we offend as the Democrat Party, the working man, at every level? Not just generally either. The the blue-collar workers, whether they are the coal miners, whether they are farmers, so coal miners with Joe Biden, farmers, Mayor Bloomberg, African-Americans, Mayor Bloomberg, throw kids up against the wall, only put police in uh, minority areas. And by the way, uh, I, depending on where you live across the country, crime occurs in all different kinds of areas. Usually it's more socioeconomic based where you have uh, consistent, maybe smaller scale. Smaller scale could be even um, not necessarily you know massive gang style crime, but still uh, you know crime pretty rampant. Uh, that happens in a lot of areas which are primarily white across the country too. Um, there's a lot of those areas in the country too. And, and so to say that you're only going to put your police officers there, I mean, it's just uh, again, it's a, it's a being out of touch and out of step. And then you try to run. As a Democrat progressive who won't actually debate, before I get to your phone calls, here's where the I think the first moment of reckoning for Mayor Bloomberg could be. It hasn't been all these comments that have come out. It hasn't been the attack on the farmers, though I think he'll be asked about a lot of stuff like this, when he actually does have to join the debate stage. See, he first joined the race, and Than, he complained a lot about not being able to be on the debate stage, said it's absurd. I've got the polls, but just because I'm self-financing and not asking Americans to give their hard-earned dollars, the way he would say it, uh, to my campaign, because I'll do it on my own, uh, you're keeping me out of the debates. Well, the DNC said, fine. You know what? You want to be on the debate stage, Mayor Bloomberg, you former Republican, independent, who went back to being a Democrat. Um, okay. Uh, you're trying to buy our election. We'll let you be on the debate stage. Uh, and... He may very well qualify for this week's debate. I mean, he should because all he needs is one more poll showing him basically exactly where he is in polling, uh, which is around some 10% mark nationally, and I think he's there in almost every poll. So if he gets that by Tuesday, he his campaign has said he will debate if he makes the debate Wednesday. So unless he's got some scheme to keep the polls not coming out uh, before Wednesday, uh, this will be probably the most interesting Democrat debate, one to actually watch. I'm actually telling our listeners to watch because I think it's actually the fall of Mike Bloomberg will be when he hits that debate stage. 
Yeah, Jordan, I think the DNC called his bluff. I think that he wanted to criticize them for not allowing him on the debate stage, knowing that he would not meet the criteria they set out for him. They called his bluff by saying, okay, that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do away with the donor threshold as far as being geographically diverse, and we'll let you on the stage if you get either two uh, South Carolina or Nevada polls at 12% or four polls that are 10% or higher. Uh, Jordan, Mayor, Mayor Bloomberg is already in third place nationally, well above 10%, only behind Senator Sanders and Vice President Biden, he is going to qualify, I believe, as soon as one more poll comes out, putting him over 10%. Every other national recent poll has had him at that level, so I think he will qualify. And Jordan, I do think it will cause his strategy to backfire because I do think he wanted to get through Super Tuesday without actually having to interface with his voters because the sound you've been playing, Jordan, if he has to get up on a debate stage and have candidates, opponents, Democrat primary opponents, question him about that. Some of this support you're seeing, that will start to ebb. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I just want to up to you a couple ACLJ uh, work that we're doing. We had that uh, religious liberty victory for the Christian FBI agent. Uh, we filed a major religious liberty brief at the U.S. Supreme Court uh, asking it to overturn the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, severely diminishing the religious liberty of churches and religious schools. Uh, two different cases there that have been uh, involved. And then, of course, uh, we've got uh, the Freedom From Religion Foundation going after the company that does the dog tags, which these are, again, the military allows people to have these kind of, they call them commemorative dog tags, but to add to their their chain if they want. And it's a company that uh, you can choose dog tags with Bible verses on them, such like like the reference to the Bible verse, Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous to not be afraid. Uh, Psalms 27.3, though my enemies attack me, I will not fear. This is out in our email today. And the army is now relenting to the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, Freedom from Religion Foundation kind of groups and saying, all these biblical references must be stripped from dog tags and other military gear. Now, it's just happening within the army right now. Uh, We've got an email out about today. We're preparing a FOIA request to figure out how this unlawful order uh, got put in place Uh, because uh, we want this to be rescinded. Soldiers should have the right to carry their Christian faith and their dog tag uh, beside their military insignia, and this has been allowed by the military. So there's uh, there's history here of allowing soldiers to do this. And by the way, they made a fundamental error as usual, and these anti-religious groups just don't understand it. You can't just say, if you're going to allow any of these kind of commemorative dog tags, now if you had a full ban on them and said you only can have your official dog tag, that's it. That'd be one thing. I don't think you know you can really argue with that. But if you're going to allow anyone to have any anything additional on their dog tag and you know commemorative dog tag or these extras, you can't just say you can have anything you want but religious ones. The court has been very clear on that, Harry, that you cannot say free speech for everybody, and you've opened this door to it with these uh, commemorative dog tags except for religious speech. And these anti, these groups that are only focused on banning religion just don't get that. That The Supreme Court and now courts generally have realized that religious speech is, is treated just like any other speech. And so if you open the door to freedom of, of speech, if you open a forum or, or the freedom for these soldiers to choose their dog tag, then you can't just say, well, it's fine to have anything you want except for something religious. That is not being accepted by the courts anymore. I think you're precisely correct. So the First Amendment guarantees freedom of religion without discrimination. And here, uh, the Army is putting forward discrimination on the basis of viewpoint 
and on the basis of the substantive content. In general, if you look at the history of the First Amendment in the United States, and basically the modern doctrine of the of free speech and the First Amendment uh, took form largely in the 20th century, the Supreme Court has been absolutely clear uh, that content viewpoint discrimination is not allowable. Uh, that uh, goes to the issue of freedom of speech. And secondarily, you are not allowed to exclude religious viewpoints because we have enshrined in our Constitution freedom of religion. And that means the ability to exercise our precise religious views. So what we have in the Army today are a significant number of militant secularists who are trying to impose their views on servicemen and service women, and I think uh, when this hits the federal courts, the courts will step in, and they should uh, to preclude this type of activity. You'll receive that email. You might have already received it today, uh, this morning. It should be in your inbox uh, from my dad from the ACLJ email. To learn more about that case, you can click on that email as well, sign the petition there. And I want to let you know, too, we had an unbelievable month of January in fundraising, which is not one of our usually biggest fundraising months because we finish out the year with those matching challenges and kind of are starting up the new year and don't want to put too much pressure on donors who have just really uh, d- done so much for us. Big thank you month. But I think people saw how busy we were, whether it was ACLJ cases, the impeachment, all these things that were going on. Um, uh, it was just an unbelievable month of January. I think it broke all records uh, in, the, in the past. Uh, we are now we're only midway through the month and, and things are starting to catch up. But we are a little bit down right now for online fundraising. I mean, just a little bit, a few percent uh, down for online fundraising. So you've thought about uh, donating or you can donate to the ACLJ online at aclj.org. We would really appreciate your support. We don't want you to forget that we've got all of this ACLJ work ongoing. You know, we use this radio broadcast, which is part of that work, to keep you updated on breaking news, whether it's politics, whether it's primaries of the Democrats, whether it was impeachment. Um, We don't always focus on ACLJ cases. Sometimes we provide updates like we just did. Sometimes we have shows like last week, which are primarily about the ACLJ work. But this is part of what your donations go to, which is supporting this broadcast to get you the news, to analyze the news for you, to break it down for you. It's why people like me, people like my dad are asked to go on broadcasts like Sean Hannity's later in the day for our analysis. Um, it's, it's because we're prepared each day uh, to do just that. And your support goes to that. So if if you can, let's get us back on track. It will not take a lot to do that. If you can donate online at aclj.org uh, today, that would be uh, great. Uh, we are going to, in the final segment, take all of the phone calls people have been holding on. we got a couple lines open, 1-800-684-3110. I'd like some comments from people. I, we've got some farmers who've got comments. I want you know, Darlene, Bill, Phil, and John. You'll all get copies of the next Red Wave if you stay on, and and we'll get you on the show first. I'd love to hear comments about people and this idea of what they think Mike Bloomberg will be like on the debate stage. I know we got some New Yorkers listening in right now. How do they think? Because I've seen some past debates from him, and not very interesting. At a time when, and that was that was a time when you could kind of get away with that. But in in the the media cycle we live in now, you got to be pretty media savvy and. 
you know, your special events that he has that are very well scripted and still kind of having problems with protesters. That's one thing. But when you've got incoming from the debate moderators and the other candidates who don't like the fact that you're trying to buy the election away from them, uh, I think it's going to be pretty tough. And we may see that with Mayor Bloomberg his first time this Wednesday. That'd be must-see TV. Uh, So again, your thoughts on that at 1-800-684-3110. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift. The challenges facing Americans are substantial at a time when our values, our freedoms, our constitutional rights are under attack. It's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today, aclj.org. Democrat candidates, and these are supposed to be the moderates, the ones who can win the Rust Belt and win back the working class from Donald Trump, uh, who has received their votes. You know, while they're diminished, they're talking about killing babies outside the womb, like infanticide, Mayor Pete, uh, and they're doing it on The View. Um, and then you've got uh, you know Joe Biden, who says anybody can go down to a coal mine 3,000 feet. Yeah, right. Okay. And then you got Mayor Bloomberg saying that anybody can be a farmer. All you do is dig a hole and put a seed in there. That's like how you grow a flower with your kid. Uh, that, that's even like diminishing uh, people who do landscaping, honestly, is, is more difficult than what he just described. Uh, landscaping your yard is a lot more difficult than, than what he just described, honestly. And, and then it, it, it's not even getting to the fact that if you had a hobby farm in your backyard, which is more difficult than that. But So he, he's going through that group, okay, and where was the president? Well, he was at Daytona 500. Other presidents have gone before, all Republican, by the way. But he didn't just visit. He he uh, he did the gentleman start your engines, and he took a lap in the Beast. Now, the Beast weighs 22,000 pounds. We don't know the top speed of the Beast. That is, I guess, classified information, but we do know it weighs 22,000 pounds. Uh, and it was uh, it did not take the you know the turns you've got to be at 70 miles an hour. I don't think they wanted to put the – I'm sure it could – 
because I'm sure it has that kind of horsepower, but they don't want to put the president, of course, in first lady in that position. If you've ever wanted to see what the beast is capable of, you can actually go and look online and see some of the driving capabilities of this thing, even backwards around tracks. So it, it certainly could. But let me get back to my bigger point here, which is that while these candidates are diminishing the working man and, and, and just, you know, Americans in general, the president is at the great American race, which I, I will tell you, like a lot of big sporting events, brings together people from all walks of life, very high income level folks um, in the business world because you've got all this corporate sponsorship and team owners and down to, I guarantee you, the coal miners and the farmers and the people working in factories who are the backbone of our country. And that's where he went. And that's where he gets applauded. And that's where a chance of four more years, 100,000 people chanting four more years began in USA. Um, you know, that's what happens when you have a president who has spent his time on construction sites. He may be in a suit. He may be running a company. But he has great respect for the people who build the buildings, who put the stones out, who do the work. And I think that translates to having the respect for the farmers. He's talked about making better deals for them. USMCA, getting better deals with China. Yes, there would be a time of pain, but we could get a better deal there too. And we've got phase one of that. All through that impeachment, by the way, he was getting that done. But I want to get to the phone calls now, 1-800-684-3110. Let's go start with Darlene in Rhode Island on line one. Darlene, welcome to JSECU Live. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, we are farmers and we've been in farming since the 1840s wow. as a family. And we have seen a lot of changing in the farming industry. But for someone like Mayor Bloomberg to stand there behind a microphone and make these blanket carte blanche statements regarding farming when it has never been his challenge, his privilege, his blood and sweat to have to feed his family, pay his bills, get up any time of the day or night to either take care of animals or to make sure a crop isn't going to get frosted yep. and have to do irrigation control at 2 o'clock in the morning or to have a calf be born safely. Right. He has a lot of arrogance, so and frankly, I do not have any respect for someone That's on many fronts of what he proposes but that is one of the items I cannot respect a man like that. The only thing I can respect him for is he, he, you know, he built a great business. I just wish he respected other people who are building great businesses too. They may not be the ones like him. They may be working with their hands, but he should be able to respect that too. But you see, I think you get to a point in that, that New York financial world, which the president has commented on before too, is that you know when they're not actually building anything and it's about financial and then, and then you start a magazine and then becomes a TV channel about your own financial stuff. I mean, it, it's not to diminish that as a success. I'm not trying to diminish that. He's a very successful person. Why diminish anybody else's hard work, though? These are people working hard to make, uh, one, it's a backbone of our country. We need food. We need food security. Uh, we need buildings. We need coal for energy. And uh, and it's to diminish the American Worker, let me go back to the phones. We got lots of different calls coming in too. Bill in Wyoming, he wants to talk about Hillary for vice president. Hey, Bill. Well, yeah, uh, actually, I've got two things to talk about. First yep. of all, the farming. My dad grew up on a farm, and my mom came from a family of ranchers who also did some farming to support the ranching. And I've got to say, uh, I'm with uh, Mr. Bennett, but the fact is that I think about this, and I have a good laugh, because he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> no. uh, I, 
I was in Bible college, and I, were, I lived among farmers. And he's completely in way a different planet as far as that goes. I, well, I think that's the, one of the issues when you are a billionaire financier. You kind of are in a different planet, and you haven't really spent time with farmers, and you don't understand... Even if you've maybe spent some time with owners of commercial giant commercial farmers, like the CEOs of big, huge commercial farmers, but not but not the people actually doing the work, still on some pretty large farms, by the way, that are very important to the economy. You have no idea, but I think you know, as our caller pointed out, uh, farming in Rhode Island, which isn't the most uh, 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 easy climate to do it in, all of the hours that go into it, all of the work that goes into it, it is it is such a it is so degrading. You know, you know, I hear it. I don't talk about it much. My grand, my grandfather on my mom's side, he, he worked in a in a factory, um, put himself through a, a two year educational program in college to get a better job inside the factory designing, uh, and he worked for a company called Georgia Pacific. Demeaning that kind of work, you know, it it is it, which when I saw it, and I saw his hands, and, and again, I'm not saying he was a coal miner three thousand feet down. And he, but uh, the injuries, they were there, serious injuries, tough work. These are hard people, uh, uh, the kind of Americans we need uh, in our country when we face tough times uh, to continue on, to grit their teeth and keep working. And so I'm proud of having that background in my family. And, uh, and you would think that more of these candidates would understand that most of us, most of us, even those of us who may have gone on to professional careers like law and, uh, and things like that have that in our background. That they, they they created better lives for their children and their children's children, so that they may be able to decide if they wanted to you know to to go down the world of, of you know being uh, a, a lawyer and go to that kind of schooling and have the time to be able to do that. But there's no need to diminish those who choose to stay in the in in the coal industry to stay in the farming industry. That's what upsets me so much. Let me take the final call of the day. John in Minnesota, online four. John, welcome to Jay Secchio Live. Yeah, how are you guys doing? Hey, John, we're good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Okay, um, I want to just tell a story. I started working on a truck farm at 13 in Minnesota, which is really a tough thing for my boss to do. He was a second-generation owner, and now they're on their fourth generation. They've become the third-largest nursery in minnesota and uh just a great business they have and that took a lot of work a lot yeah. of decisions a lot of transitions from from truck farming to nursery business yeah and bloomberg doesn't know what he's talking no he about. does not no he does not i mean and i think again he's going to have to answer for a lot of this if he makes that he's going to make the debate stage unless they pull some some stunt not to and i think he doesn't want to be there he complained about it but He's, I think he, all attention will be on him, and it could be the end of his candidacy. Seriously, it'll be must-watch TV. And then I know that quickly we've got religious freedom regulations. We've got, we're uh, putting in the final comments now, right? Filing tomorrow, Jordan, so that work continues behind the scenes. That's at ACLJ.org. Support our work if you can. ACLJ.org to donate. We'll talk to you tomorrow. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights, in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at ACLJ.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. 
aclj.org.